Welcome to the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast, where we have mature conversations about cannabis and pop culture. If you're looking for an alternate way to listen to us, we're currently available on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Podcast Addict. If you want to hit us up on social media, I run the Twitter, Cam runs the Instagram. We have a really great time on there with some really great people. We're available on both of those platforms at A Cannabis Pod. My name's Joel, and I've been a cannabis consumer for almost 25 years. And my name is Cam, and I have been a cannabis consumer for just over two years now, I suppose. <laughs> um, on this week's episode of the podcast, we had put out a poll on Twitter uh, to determine what our pop culture episode for this month would be. We had chose a holiday theme, and uh, the people have ordered Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> yes, Die Hard. A bit of a sad confession from me is that this was probably my first time watching this movie all the way through <laughs> intently. I think I had watched this as a kid, but for some reason I was not—I wasn't as as enamored as most young men are with um, with action movies. So this wasn't really something that I cared too much about in my <laughs> youth. But uh, the revisit was amazing, and uh, I'm excited to talk about that today. Joel, my friend. This is a movie that I think that you actually have uh, some attachment to that that you someone enjoy. Um, what did you think? I was really excited to revisit this one. I don't know that it's necessarily like super near and dear to my heart. It's really kind of wormed its way into my consciousness with my repeated rewatchings of the TV show Community because Abed is such a huge fan that character on that show of Die Hard, much to the chagrin of the wager from Senior Kevin's. Yeah, I just watched <laughs> that episode recent actually, uh, the, the Senior Kevin's one with the breakup and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, but uh, it is a, a movie that I watched. Uh, I probably fell in that more traditional path when child of the 80s where parents were maybe a little more liberal with what TV shows and movies you could watch. I don't know that I necessarily like remember watching Die Hard as a kid, but I loved action movies, uh, the, just every kind of action movie. And it had been a really long time since I've watched this movie, probably from start to finish. I can't recollect exactly how long, but it was just an absolute treat to watch it hit a whole bunch of nostalgia buttons for me on a lot of different ways uh, not only that but it's just a really good movie good entertaining movie exciting interesting a lot of beats feel familiar even if you've never seen it because a lot of people stole from what they did with this movie so i think there's a lot for us to talk about uh, i think it is a bit of a departure and up to this point we've been at least trying to put the spin of a cannabis or cannabis adjacent movie on our media theme episodes but i'll throw a quick shout out to turp hunter who did identify the underrated category of movies that aren't necessarily about cannabis but are better enjoyed while consuming cannabis which maybe f is every movie <laughs> but yeah i would say almost every fucking movie that i watch is better with weed <laughs> i mean it's it's kind of hard to 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 you know draw a line in the sand about where or or where not canvas is going to be an improver for a movie but i would argue that an action movie is probably one of the ways that it can be most effective because you're maybe going to paper over a little bit of the uh, the plot being somewhat unbelievable and you can enjoy some of those like big uh, inf inflammations of the senses right big explosions and things happening and stuff like that so I think this fit into that category and quite frankly I wanted to put this on the poll because I knew it would win I kind of wanted to rewatch Die Hard selfishly I really the only Christmas movie I could think of that was kind of cannabis related was the Harold and Kumar Save Christmas movie and I just really felt like that wasn't going to be good 
Yeah, the night before with with Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was also high on my list as well. So I'm thinking that's coming maybe Christmas 2021. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we'll have to do that for 2021. I have seen that movie and I do recall enjoying it. So I, I think that would be a good one to revisit. And uh, I think one of our listeners actually even suggested that one. Uh, we had already wanted to throw it up on the poll, but it's kind of cool to see that we're uh, on the same page with uh, some of the folks who are checking out the show. Uh, and now I'm drawing a blank as to what the third or the uh, fourth option was on the poll. Oh, shit. I am too. Oh, Office Christmas Party. Office Christmas Party, yes. And that that's maybe a more recent one. It's questionable how adjacent to cannabis that one is, but that was also a pretty fucking funny movie. It didn't get a lot of traction on the poll. I really knew Die Hard was going to win if we put it out there. I pretty much guaranteed it. Yeah, yeah, you were very confident. A couple of Twitter followers were, were like, yeah, dude, if this doesn't win, I'm going to unfollow you. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> I get it. Well, glad that we pulled through. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was really a good time. Uh, I had a bit of a hard time trying to place where i was going to watch this movie because this was right around the holiday season uh this episode's coming out the week after christmas right before the new year so this is our last episode of this horrid year of 2020 so kind of nice to be able to, to mark off uh this with episode 53 and a little bit of diehard excitement so uh, i'm looking forward to talking about this I really had a great time. I hope you guys, uh, maybe if you gave it a rewatch yourself in the time being, I know a lot of people find this as a Christmas tradition. Uh, maybe we'll talk about its placement as a Christmas movie a little bit in the future. But before uh, we really kind of dive into the meat of our episode with Die Hard, we do like to talk about what we're smoking this week. So my friend Cam, what's been on your tray? What's been on my tray? Well, this week I I took another week off of, uh, of work for the holidays. So I was smoking a decent amount of weed over the last the last few days leading into Christmas and stuff. Not much new on my rolling tray because of my giant Black Friday order from uh, Shelter Market and from Canmart. I have been well stocked on cannabis, so I haven't had to make my way to the BC Cannabis Store and grab anything um, or any of my local retailers here that I like to frequent. So I think this week mostly was the strain that we are reviewing this week, which is the Ogen uh, strain of gas berries and uh, addition like additionally uh, I smoked a crap ton of black cherry punch this week I think I've been saying that for the last few weeks in a <laughs> row but uh, much to my chagrin my my previous thought on that or my previous um I don't know, plan was to get through my half ounce of black cherry punch quickly so that I could get that 32% batch into my household as quickly as possible without feeling feeling bad of having uh, some stock sitting around. But uh, Shelter kind of dropped a bit of a bomb on, on us uh, Boxing Day orderers over the last few days. And uh, unfortunately, there may be a potential issue with that North 40 black cherry punch batch, that 32% batch. So it was taken off of my off of my order and uh now i'm only down to like four or five buds of my own black cherry punch so i'm kind of sad <laughs> yeah for those of you who don't know unfortunately there uh it looks like a patient or a client somewhere has come across some mold in some north 40 black cherry punch from that batch it's currently being investigated but shelter being good to patients doesn't want to sell anything gore doesn't want anybody to sell it until they figure it out doesn't look like there's been a recall or anything yet but it's being looked at, so there is some concern. Fortunately, I have a, a bit of black cherry punch, and Shelter did offer substitutions for folks, so they're doing their best, but it's uh, it's just a situation that's going to happen, and it is what it is. It doesn't change my opinion. I think 
they're doing the they're handling things the right way and that's all you can really ask for it's a shame that we're not going to get a hold of that 32 percent black cherry punch that really kind of sucks but uh, they were pretty cool they did reach out to me and offered me an exchange or a refund and i'm going to get about a half ounce of that new lot of the blue cheese from north 40 instead Oh, nice. Yeah, that's great. I substituted it for some cherry punch from Organic Craft because I really like that cultivar a lot. And uh, seeing the photos and the terpene, terpene analysis and stuff like that from the Organic Craft, it has me really excited, licking my lips to get that. Nice. Um, but yeah, outside of the black cherry punch, I smoked some cake from Habitat this week. The only real thing that I wanted to mention uh, that's a bit out of the ordinary is uh, a new accessory that I picked up a few months ago that I haven't mentioned. I grabbed some of the Beeline Hempwick from a local head shop here and I've been using this hemp wick to light my bowls for my bong instead of using my butane lighter and it actually makes a noticeable difference in the taste and I just wanted to put that out there for people um, these things are relatively inexpensive it's as simple as it sounds it's just a long wick you kind of just light it with your lighter and then use your wick to light your bowl or your joint or whatever you're combusting there is a noticeable difference in taste in my own personal opinion there is a more noticeable taste difference when when you're at least when you're smoking like older weed because you don't have a lot of flavor from it so i find that i taste more more butane or lighter fluid with that but yeah this beeline hemp wick stuff pretty uh inexpensive and uh, i recommend it to most people out there other than that yeah not much smoking uh this week that's new at least uh, how about yourself joel kind of in a similar position i think we're gonna maybe need to have a side conversation about that uh, hemp wick thing because i've i've seen those i don't know if you've ever seen this before there's lots of people on twitter who like just smoke and blow clouds all the time not really my jam but uh, people seem to love that but i've seen people using what i assume is a hemp wick and that seems like a great idea i've really been noticing the blue butane taste from using a lighter when i'm combusting especially since i started using the mouthpiece and I think that's something that you've commented on before. So I think that might be something that I have to pick up. But as for my ruling tray, like I said, I'm kind of in the same spot as you. That Black Friday order has really kind of made our, our choices kind of narrowed down to what we're going to be covering for the week. So you may find that this particular segment is a little bit light on details over the next month or so, but not really a lot on my new, my tray. The, the gas berries were probably the thing I had the most. And of course, the cherry punch and black cherry punch from North 40 was heavy in the rotation there. And also sprinkle in a bit of that uh, wildlife ultra sour i guess if, mm -hmm. if anything is of interest what i've been experimenting with is trying different flavors and stuff uh, mixing and making some salads so shout out to uh, good old randy Leahy from twitter uh, for his salad creations but that's what i've been kind of doing is mixing some of these flavors together and uh, trying them out okay is there any that you have noticed to be like a, a worthwhile salad you know I really happen to enjoy a mix of the Wildlife Ultra Sour, North 40 Blue Cheese, and North 40 Cherry Punch. That sounds lovely. Have you have you made a name for that concoction? <laughs> I have not. And I don't know if that's even one of the ones that Shelter's been using for their, like, you know, fancy... Uh, pre-roll mixes that they had been making but uh, no i gotta i never you know what I, I shouldn't i should think about that now because i always gotta come up with a name for the cocktails i'm creating so when i'm mixing my cannabis i didn't even think about that so that's a that's a neat neat concept to get a little creative yeah well i mean stay tuned maybe next time joel will have a, a fun name for that <laughs> maybe <laughs> probably not no. Okay. Well, there's, was there anything else that you wanted to add with your rolling tray today, sir? Uh, no, no, that, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, the only like downside is I'm getting a little low on paper, so I gotta have to, to stock myself back up some of those more pure hemp guys. 
Yeah, those are pretty nice, actually. I I've been smoking a lot of those as well. I'm I'm almost through them, so I think I think I'm in a similar boat. I need to be grabbing some more. I want to try some some more. I think there's some called like Canadian Lumber or something like that. I've been seeing them on on Instagram all over the place lately, and uh, I I figure I might as well give them a try the next time I can go and buy papers. We'll see if I can track those down. They seem to be quite popular right now. Yeah, I'd be in on those too. I think because I've seen those floating around as well. Yeah, I've seen them everywhere, I've, but I haven't seen them at head shops, so I'm going to have to take a look and see if I can track them down. Um, but I, without uh, further ado, let's get into the meat of this week's episode, my friend. Um, I think a good place to start for our diehard conversation is maybe, how about you tell me a little bit about uh, your your viewing this time? How did you set this set the scene? You know, how did you how did you prepare for this viewing? To prepare for this viewing, I had to do a bit of convincing because because this was over the holiday season and Die Hard is a very violent movie <laughs> with um, uh, a lot of uh, gunplay and blood and people getting shot up and stuff. Uh, I typically when we we're going to sit down to do these, I watch these movies with my spouse and she wasn't super stoked about watching this on like christmas eve or on christmas day necessarily so <laughs> no kidding <laughs> it's just fair i mean i know for some people it's tradition they watch this movie on christmas eve and i actually as a child i used to watch like action movies on christmas eve it was a thing that we used to always do but i gotta respect the my uh, my partner and that wasn't what she was down for so we watched this on december 23rd so uh last wednesday we sat down for this uh, our house was stocked full of all the treats you can imagine for the holiday season. So I was enjoying myself a uh, box of chocolates beer, craft beer that we've we've mentioned on the show. I can't Spectrum remember. Brewing. Spectrum Brewing. That's I was trying to remember the name. I, they've, I've depleted that box. So I was enjoying I was enjoying some uh, box of chocolates from Spectrum Brewing. Uh, I had some Doritos going. I had a joint of cherry punch. I had a bong with some black cherry punch and some THCA diamonds in it. And uh, I can't remember what we were having. Uh, oh, we were having the beer to drink, I guess. So yeah. So that's that's those are the things that we had. So we were we were set. the The child was in bed. We got lit up and got stoked for some Die Hard. How about you, man? What was how did you set the stage for this one? Well, that sounds like quite the 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 preparation for it. It sounds like you had a, a nice viewing of this movie. Um, for myself, I watched it alone yesterday morning. <laughs> my girlfriend had gone to work and uh, my roommates were busy doing their stuff. So uh, what I did was I grabbed an ultra OG Kush pre-roll from Shelter Market. It was my very last one. I smoked that up about uh, 1030 in the morning, uh, <laughs> starting the day off right. And uh, once I came inside, I got together a bowl of cake with some of my last scrapings of icy cake rosin from premium five north 40 that we purchased months and months and months ago um it was my last little bit but i made my first little um sandwich inside my packs with that and i got thoroughly intoxicated (laughs) it works this yeah it worked real well Almost too well because I actually did fall asleep like 25 minutes into the movie. Not not to the movie's fault. It was definitely my own fault. I had over prepared for this movie. Um, so when I woke up, I was kind of like, ah, fuck, I need to rewind this. <laughs> but then I instead of uh, being nice and like, like laying down on the couch in a nice comfortable position, I sat my ass up and then uh, ended up enjoying it more consciously throughout. <laughs> Well, I, I can understand that. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you get a little too deep in into the 
vaping and uh, it does you in. So that, I got that's... a little carried away. <laughs> got a little carried away. I was like, I want to get really stoned for this movie and and really enjoy it. Up the explosions, up the banter, up everything. But uh, what did I ended up doing is uh, putting myself to sleep. So <laughs> you, you, um, you died hard. I died hard. Yeah. Slept hard for those 20 minutes too. I didn't have much in the way of snacks. I didn't really, I don't know why I didn't prepare more of that. I had a little bag of M&M peanuts that I polished off during the whole movie, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, you're, you're watching it on a Sunday morning in the holidays and uh, I think, you know, it, it makes a bit difference in terms of the times of day. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be going balls out with alcohol and munchies if it's 10 o'clock in the morning either, but maybe I'd amount down on, uh, on some edibles and so, or something like that. But we've all got our different ways of doing it. And I like your style too, my friend. So even if you are a bit of a movie napper, but I can't fault you for that. Uh, it just happens all the time. Once I get comfortable on the couch, cannabis or not, I'm falling asleep most of the time. Yeah. All I needed was a little, uh, position readjustment and then i was good to go okay well let's talk about this movie now that we've set the stage for how we were going to be watching it so this one came out i think in 1988 so uh, this predates your existence on this planet yes by three years (laughs) that's that's wonderful i remember this movie being around but i don't necessarily know that i have like a memory of it as a kid but there's a ton of big name people in it i think at least uh, they are now at the time maybe they weren't so much right yeah well with bruce willis and even alan rickman to some extent like those guys well not even alan rickman to some extent this was alan rickman's first major movie so it was yeah it was the the uh the the beginnings almost for him yeah so the the two leads in this movie essentially are played by bruce willis who's the protagonist and uh, alan rickman who plays the villain and i'm just realizing cam that we have overlooked something we have not is that? given our dueling plot synopsis. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, maybe it's because it's so new. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's something that we, we we talked about doing on the last one. We've only done this one time. But I, I am a stickler and I want to do it because I think it'll be fun. So would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I know I know you usually prepare for this and this time you're going off the cuff. So what I'm would you like? Cuff. I'm going to go first. I'm going okay. off the cuff. I'm going to go first. I don't want to follow yours because I'm sure it's more polished. So um, <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> it's not. So, um, <laughs> well, good to know. That's good. So uh, plot synopsis of this movie. John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, uh, flies cross country from New York all the way to L.A. to uh, accompany his ex-wife's to a Christmas party. And uh, during this Christmas party, this uh, business that she works for is being, I mean, I guess they're being taken over by a terrorist group, but really they're thieves. <laughs> and uh, the throughout the movie, it's kind of like a cat and mouse game between Alan Rickman's character of Hans Gruber and John McClane, who is again, played by Bruce Willis. Okay. Um, that's about it. Yep. That's my plot synopsis. <laughs> All right. Well, that was very detailed. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to go into that kind of depth. I like to kind of like uh, leave a little bit of mystery to it, but for me, okay. disgruntled New York City police officer John McClane travels to the West Coast to attend a holiday party with his ex-wife and is confronted with thieves disguised as terrorists receiving help from a cop on the ground. Beautiful. I like that. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) Boom. 
You just envisioned yeah. me doing that, eh? Like, yeah, I did. You probably <laughs> did it, eh? You probably it probably was happening. I just couldn't see it. No, I mean the mic's on a stand. I don't want to take it off. It's all this. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, so uh, Bruce Willis is the protagonist of this movie. He plays the lead. Uh, he is your your action hero du jour against the villainous Alan Rickman. And what's cool about this movie is that they kind of basically rolled the dice on their two lead actors. Bruce Willis had only done, I think maybe one other movie prior to this and was known as a TV actor. And for you kids out there, you got to understand that back in the eighties, if you were a TV actor, you were considered less than film actors. Yeah. They didn't really do interchangeable TV movie actors back then. Well, it's just kind of changed so much in the sense that TV now, there's a lot of like gravitas put behind television productions where I think back then they, they considered things on TV to be more frivolous and uh, motion pictures to be like the more of more serious consideration. But this is where that kind of changed. And apparently Bruce Willis garnered like $5 million for this, which was a significant amount of money at the time for someone who was untested as a main movie star. And it basically propelled him. This movie was hugely successful and it propelled him into superstardom. But Alan Rickman, like you mentioned, was also in this movie as the villain. And this was his first real film role. I think he was a theater actor prior to that. But he is maybe one of the best bad guys of all time. He was so fantastic in this, and I had read that this movie had kind of almost forced his hand at being typecasted for for villainous roles going forward. <laughs> um, all of the major roles that I know Alan uh, Alan Rickman in, he is most definitely villainous or kind of the kind of the the bad guy in them, even if even if it's not him down to its core almost. <laughs> My favorite role of him is in uh, Dogma. Is Dogma when he's yes. the the angel? Yes. Yes. I actually forgot that he was in that. Holy shit. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, it's just <laughs> such a, it's such a different role for him. And it's like, and he's just amazing. He's just got such a great voice. And he's anyway, so good. Yeah. He, he plays Hans Gruber, who is the, the, the lead villain of this group of quote terrorists who are actually thieves. And uh, what was different than this is that bad guys, prior to this were essentially like all thugs or like crazy people or madmen, mad scientists or something like that. This was the first time that they presented a bad guy as like a, a suave, sophisticated, intelligent, um, like smarter than the, the good guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I, for, for people out there who, who are fans of like the Marvel universe, when I watched this movie, I was getting a lot of Loki vibes Oh yeah, just because of the, yeah, the, the sophistication more or less, like he's, he spoke so poshly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he was very, very polished and, uh, it, it kind of gives him like a different aspect. That's terrifying, you know, like not really that he's going to like cap you at any moment, but that he's a lot smarter than you. So you don't really know what the fuck he's going to do. <laughs> well, yes, that, and he also just oozes like distaste for, for like everything. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just disgusted by everything that he sees. And it just, you can just hear it dripping from his voice when he's speaking to Bruce Willis in the movie. He doesn't it, like American culture at all. No. <laughs> and, and I thought that was just like a really, a really great way to do it because it was, it also like tied into some of the like, undertones of the story right where that you're contrasting like the the brutish american kind of themes versus the the european style right or, or at least what was viewed as in the 80s 
So it was it was kind of neat that they that they did that. But I just thought Alan Rickman was phenomenal in this role. And I think maybe we'll talk a little bit more about scenes or or quotes or or a little bit more about about the characters a little bit later uh, because there are other people who are notable in this movie. But what I when I was doing a bit of research about this, what I thought was notable was more about who isn't in this movie. And okay. that, that's basically because literally every famous action movie star passed on this. Yeah, like Schwarzenegger and shit. Schwarzenegger and Stallone, uh, a bunch of people. Apparently, they first offered the role to Frank Sinatra. Really? What yes. an odd casting choice. Okay, I can explain why. Uh, they were contractually obligated to. <laughs> uh, he was 73 years old at the time. And thankfully, he said no. But uh, 73 years old. And yeah. They still fucking offered him the movie. <laughs> well, they had to. The reason was is because this is uh, based loosely on a book. And Frank Sinatra had played that character in the 70s. Oh, interesting. Okay. I was unaware of that. Part of that contract deal was that Sinatra got first crack at any like future sequels or anything like that so okay but but in reality it, it came out so early in his acting career or just career in general that the a sequel was not in the fucking works at all for him well not till 20 years later and as a 73 yeah. year old man thankfully he recognized that that wasn't the movie that he could be because like literally it is just a perfect role for bruce willis yeah no kidding and he played it so fucking well i because I'm not a huge action movie person, I, I don't have the same kind of love for Bruce Willis as other people do. So this role of his as John McClane was very endearing to me in this movie. And it kind of made me like Bruce Willis a lot more than I previously had. Well, and that, and it's entirely why people buy him in other movies is because of this role. Like this yeah. is like the, you know, defining role for Bruce Willis, I think. Yeah. But in terms of that, there's for me, there's other actors, I think, of who are of note, who I've seen in other movies and in kind of similar ish roles to what they play, you know, as like either bad guys or cops and stuff like that. But the other one that I do want to call out for sure is uh, Sergeant Al Powell, played by Reginald Vell Johnson, is the cop on the ground who is communicating with Bruce Willis after Bruce Willis drops a body on his car. <laughs> um Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, which is you know one of the greatest lines in the movie too. Uh, but basically, why this was notable for me, it just hit me with like nostalgia feels because Reginald Val Johnson played Carl Winslow, the dad on Family Matters. Uh, if you're of a certain age, he's a, he just identifiable as a TV dad. So seeing that was just another kind of like nostalgic, heartwarming moment for me. So it was cool to see him as uh, as Sergeant Al Powell, and he has like a pretty significant role in the movie too. Yeah, he's he's in it throughout, and he's very involved with uh, with um, taking these bad guys down. It's kind of funny. He's like that. He's that cop who uses common sense when uh, like his higher ups are are trying to take over the plan and everything. And he's kind of giving them like third degree over their tactics, being like, "Have you even fucking thought about this?" Kind of thing. <laughs> like throughout the movie, even when the FBI shows up and yeah. shit. So I I really appreciated his character too, and I. He was very familiar to me, but I couldn't p quite pinpoint him. I could kind of tell that he was like a TV dad. And uh, from my readings online, I definitely saw some some Urkel mentions. So <laughs> I kind of figured that it was that. But I, yeah, Family Matters was not something that I that I had watched too much as a kid. 
No, I mean, if it was on my radar, I mean, I don't even know when that would have gone off the air, but I don't necessarily think that that would have been something for you to identify. No. But for me, it was a nice little kind of callback to my to my youth. So uh, I was happy to see him in it. And I think his his character is is pretty interesting as well. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting characters in this movie. A lot of interesting characters in this movie. Yes. Um, one that I really appreciated was Theo, kind of like Hans Gruber's hacker guy. Um <laughs> He was so fucking funny, actually. All of his all of his uh, dialogue was kind of like one liners. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, he was uh, clearly very good at his job. But uh, yeah, like when like when he's first introduced, he kind of like runs in. He's doing like a sports like back and forth with somebody else. And uh, then they just cap the the elevator guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I really appreciated Theo. I thought he was kind of funny and like quirky and stuff like that. Uh, um, what other kind of characters were you were you thinking of? Was was he one that came to your mind when you had mentioned that? Uh, definitely. I think he was he was maybe a little bit lower down my list. But in terms of like a tertiary character, Harry Ellis. Harry Ellis. Okay. Harry Ellis is the douchey guy who's doing coke at the party, who's constantly hitting on John McClane's wife, and then does like a, that whole negotiation scene with Hans Gruber. Right. Yeah. And that scene was awesome. Like the whole time John McClane's telling him like, dude, you don't fucking know me. Quit trying to fucking make it seem like you know me because these guys are going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought his character, like they just nailed the like douchey Wall Street asshole that i think you know exists to this day to the like you know to the point where people are walking to him in on him doing blow in the office and stuff like that and just that that general attitude i just thought that was like pitch perfect so that was another character i really enjoyed i also really liked the fbi agents johnson and johnson johnson and johnson <laughs> <laughs> which in it itself is just hilarious and like there's great jokes around that but just the, the just the lines that they had and just how they were like blithering idiots and um so confident and full of bravado uh, everything was really well done and it just it just showed uh like played into the the brilliance of hans gruber yeah well they they didn't really paint the lapd or the fbi in a very in a, a very nice brush for this movie they made those guys look to like look like idiots except for uh the one cop we had previously mentioned here um most of them were just blubbering fools who just came in and uh, had no idea what the heck they were doing but they just were there for for like optics more or less well yeah and i think that was what i liked about this movie is that the, the characters who didn't matter they didn't like really fill in but the characters that were important they gave more of like kind of a 3d picture of them Right. Like you care about Sergeant Al Powell because you know that he shot a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets like a bit of a redemption. Yeah. They give him that backstory and that redemption arc, like to the end, too, to add it to tie into like him helping out Bruce Willis and them communicating throughout the movie, like to help like keep Bruce Willis sane. Um, like it's just really, really, really well done. And I, I thought that that the Sergeant Powell character was really excellent as well. Well, he kind of was a home base for John McClane almost, you know, like he kind of kept him grounded, kind of kept him calm almost, you know, he was a very calming presence. Like John McClane's in a fucking shit show of a situation dealing with these very 
intelligent thieves who are menacing all of all of their henchmen are big strong dudes with machine guns <laughs> you know even though he is an nypd officer he's got to be feeling that stress and i really like that uh, sergeant al powell was there always is like kind of like a uh, a shoulder to lean on a little bit. They had a couple good exchanges that were heartfelt, you know, like when John is talking about how he wasn't a good husband and that he could have been a better person to his wife and stuff. Then they, they had like a, a, some uh, heartwarming exchanges there. And then, like you said, Al Powell also leans on John a little bit, tells him that uh, he has had some bad experiences in his life as well. He doesn't, he's, he's not good at, at, at pulling the trigger on people anymore and stuff, you know? So I did appreciate Al Powell's character a lot as well and he added a lot to the movie well and i think something that you just kind of mentioned in passing when you were talking about powell was mclean mclean is a massively endearing character in this movie and i think what gets lost is that in the 80s this wasn't your your action hero it wasn't no. this, this guy fumbling along it was the he-man right it was arnold blow and stallone dominating it wasn't a guy basically who was, yeah it wasn't a guy who was like basically like fucking up along the way and still managing to get through just because he pulls it out of his ass at the last minute right like it yeah. was it was much more relatable because he wasn't a muscle-bound dude he was just like he looks like kind of run down and beat up he's in shape but he's not like ripped um he's he looks like a construction like, worker yeah exactly <laughs> he just looks like a dude and that's that's man's exactly man, yeah. it and that's why people got behind it because everyone could relate and he shows vulnerability like you mentioned the scene where he, he like he wants to leave a message for his wife if he doesn't make it like i mean it's just it's awesome and apparently that was like they shot that twice with crying and without, and they were like, no, no, they had it in. So it's, it's not just that it's like an, it's a good movie. It's not just a good action movie. It's a, it's a really well done movie. It hit a lot of great beats. And I love that kind of character work made it really easy to like Bruce Willis or John McClane in here. Right. They, they're, they're two are kind of almost interchangeable for me. I don't know about you if, if you have a favorite or not, but I, I got to give like the nod to Hans. Because I just, I, I've always loved the bad guys. I, I can't help myself in professional wrestling. I've loved the bad guys. Movies, I love the bad guys. TV, I love the bad guys. It is just such an iconic and pitch-perfect played character that I cannot give anyone else to nod. And McLean is great. Powell is great. But Hans Gruber is the fucking man. It's so funny that you said that, man. Because I think most people would agree that... Uh... John McClane is their favorite character from this movie, but I also really liked Hans Gruber. And I think <laughs> nice. it's, it's, it's Alan Rickman. Um, it's, it's his personification of the character that yes. really does it. And just how well-spoken he is. Like we said earlier, um, he's very calm and collected. Like there's only like a couple points in the movie where he breaks his calm demeanor. You know, he doesn't get rattled easily. Even when, even when his like henchmen are fucking shit up, even when John McClane is, uh, you know, unraveling all of his plans, you know, he stays calm and collected. He, he even has some, some witty little exchanges between them, you know? So I, I think that I would also give him the edge, although I liked John McClane's character way more than I thought I would going into this movie. <laughs> I, I am not a big action movie person. And it's because I find that a lot of the, the main characters in those movies are 
boring. They're just big muscle Trophy, head right? guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas John McClane was not that. <laughs> I loved that uh like his all of his like one liners were are, are him just really stressed out and he's kind of like <laughs> having a little bit of a frustrated fit, you know, like no fucking shit, lady. I'm does it sound like I'm trying to order a pizza? Like that kind of thing. Um those aren't just like boring wasted dialogue lines, you know, like in so many of these classic classic action movies the dialogue is is boring and it's written like it was written by like a 10 year old kid who's just trying to like make these characters sound tough but none of that dialogue was used in this movie which made it a lot more enjoyable to watch in my opinion the dialogue was good and everything and and john mcclain's dialogue specifically was really good but yeah he he was a lot more endearing to me than i thought he was going to be because he was an actual person. <laughs> yeah, he was an actual person saying things that a person might say if they were in a really fucked up situation. They weren't they weren't yeah. trying to sound cool using like stilted dialogue or something like that. And I and I think that you, you, that brings up like a really great point is that this movie is massively quotable. Yeah, eminently quotable and it has been uh, so so much so that I knew most of the major quotes without even seeing this movie. Yes. And I had a hard time because I wanted to like pick lines that I really liked that I thought were like the the, the cool quotes but not like the ones that everyone already knows, which is a challenge. Yeah, I had a hard time with that as well. And my favorite quote is one that is still okay. <laughs> that That's is okay. still one of those famous one of those uh, famous quotes. Um, and I think it's more or less because, like, what you mentioned earlier uh, with the community tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite quote came from community and this like it's 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 the it's both of them that make it my favorite quote i think um i think i'll just get right into it my favorite quote from this movie is when john mcclain's in the vent for the first time with the (laughs) zippo lighter and he goes yeah come out to the coast we'll get together have a few laughs (laughs) it's like making his way through there that absolutely killed me especially because i've seen abed say that like i feel like more than once um in community but anyways yeah that was my favorite quote were you able to find a favorite quote that was a little bit more unique yes i think so but i mean they might be so obscure that they'll go over but i think the folks who might be listening might be diehards so they, they may know Die <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I was gonna i was i was gonna leave it alone i just couldn't resist uh fuck i'm sorry, I'm sorry guys i couldn't i, I couldn't love resist. it no um so i picked a couple that are maybe a little bit more obscure the one line when the two fbi agents arrives and it's like they're agent johnson and johnson and it's a, a young black dude and an old white guy and they're like no relation i like that part <laughs> no. too that was really good that was awesome. Uh, the pizza line that you mentioned when he's like trying to call nine one one is really funny. Uh, and then there's like after the FBI agents get all cocky and their their helicopter explodes, and then Bruce Willis is like, "We're gonna need some more FBI agents, I guess." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I also really liked some of the exchanges between um, his limo driver at the beginning. Oh you know, yeah. Like like the the questions that the limo driver is asking are very purposeful. They're like giving background information on bruce willis but Mm -hmm. i love that he gives like uh, a very real reaction that's being like do you ask as many do you always ask this many questions man like (laughs) what's going on you know and uh i I think that that added a lot of like authenticity to the to the character itself because i probably would have reacted very similarly if i was being interrogated by somebody new but that whole interaction seemed really genuine too, because the guy was like, I don't know, man, I didn't think he'd sit up front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it kind of just um, cements that he is uh, an every man's dude or like an everyday dude. He's not, yes. he's not, 
yeah, he's, he's not trying to pretend to be someone he's not, you know, he's just a salt of the earth kind of guy. He's going to sit up front with a limo driver. He doesn't need to sit in the back with the, with the fancy glasses and the fancy chairs and stereo system. He just wants to sit up front like a normal dude. Cause he realizes it's kind of a dick move to just treat your driver. Like they're not even a person. Yeah, no, it, it was really good. Uh, that scene in particular, I really enjoyed that whole like intro of him rolling to the hotel with the limo driver. Uh, it's got Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC in the background. And I was just like nodding my head to it the whole time. I just love oh, it. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great tune. What about favorite scene? What was your favorite scene from this movie? It, it's really hard to say. I think I've got a lot. I mean, that opening limo ride, it was kind of cool from just a, like a good setting the tone and just, it just put me back in a great vibe for the movie. So I like that. You mentioned that scene earlier where Harry Ellis is negotiating with uh, Hans Gruber. I really love that scene too, because the guy's just like you, you had said, he's just completely oblivious that this guy could just murder him at any moment. And he's cocking off like he's some kind of wheeler dealer. And that's just perfect. I think the two that I would say are my best, it would be like an acting scene and an action scene. And for my action scene, it's where he does the jump off the roof. With the, with the fire hose? With the fire hose. And then he oh, like, that was mine too. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, so a, it's fucking it's amazing, great. right? Like, great. I mean, yeah. like he's, he's, yeah. he's just strapping himself in with <laughs> the most basic knot he can fucking make too, you know, <laughs> jumps off the roof. Yeah, it's good enough. And then he just blasts out the window with a, like, he's trying to kick down the window and he, but jumps off shoots it out and jumps in like you see that in movies all the time yeah. now but this was the first time so like I, th- I thought that was super cool but the the acting scene and you may may have this on your list too is the um the scenes with bruce willis and uh alan rickman together where uh hans is pretending to be a worker yeah yeah that was a really good one I, that was a runner-up for me okay i i just yeah. love that scene because it's uh, shows Alan Rickman dropping an American accent and this like little clever interplay between them and Bruce Willis knows he's a bad guy the whole time. It's just fucking really well done. And I read yeah. that apparently that got wrote in the movie. Like this movie wasn't finished as they were shooting it. And they wrote that in because they heard Rickman doing the American accent like as a bit at catering. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. I think he is a bit of an impressionist kind of a guy, but, uh, or he was, sorry. I really liked that scene as well there's a, there's like a lot of anticipation, you know, that that's like kind of building in there. You're like, yes. okay, it's, does he know that he's, that he's the bad guy? Does he know that they've been talking the whole time? Like is, uh, yeah. Like is Alan Rickman going to finally pull one over on him kind of thing? I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for my favorite scene, it's probably, I mean, this is, this is one that isn't original either. So I apologize to the listeners out there that I'm not original on this one, but it's a very well done scene and it's their first exchange over the walkie talkie, you know, where, where Hans is like, Hey, we said to keep this one quiet. And then John comes on and he says, Oh, I'm sorry. uh, I didn't get the memo kind of thing. And then they have their, their first introduction to each other that they're back and forths there where Rickman's calling him a cowboy. And then um, Bruce Willis is leaning in and he's like, he's doubling down on the, on the cowboy thing with the yippee kaye motherfucker and telling him that he likes a different kind of cowboy because of his sequence (laughs) and stuff. You know, I really enjoyed that scene. And then, yeah, the the runner up with was him coming off the roof because holy shit was that hilarious just seeing him fumble with that fire hose before he jumps off and shit (laughs) and he does a sign of the cross too before he jumps yeah yeah exactly so so well done yeah i don't really i don't really have any other follow-up ones was there any that almost made the list for you 
No, just the just the ones that I mentioned, the the roof jump, and then that that one scene together really kind of like made the movie and kind of encapsulates its goodness for me. But I really yeah. enjoyed that that Harry Ellis scene. Just like I said, I really like that character. Like, and just seeing that a douchey asshole get their comeuppance is a, a chef's kiss for me. So uh, that and the opener, that the, that opening track with the tunes. But I think yeah. like kind of like all in all, this is a, just a rad movie and. I'm really glad that we got to watch it for the show. I mean, Me not, too. not just to watch it, but doesn't we get to shoot the shit about it for, for an episode. Uh, I feel like it's a good way to kind of uh, wind down 2020. <laughs> I'm really sad that I hadn't watched this movie more in my life, you know, because I had kind of put it to the side, like it was so hyped by people. And, and just because I'm not an action movie person really per se, like that, wasn't really like a draw for me, you know? So, but uh, this movie has so much more substance than an action movie typically does. So (laughs) this was a very enjoyable watch for me. So thank you to the, to the listeners out there or whoever participated in our, in our listener poll, because this is probably something I wouldn't have watched unless I was forced to watch it for the podcast, or at least it wouldn't have been watched for a while. So I was really happy. Um, My final thoughts on this movie is it's something that I will definitely watch again. um, And I will be, paying closer attention to a lot of the the smaller interactions that happen because i think there's a lot of clever dialogue that gets easily missed in this movie it is it's it's kind of rapid fire and and it rolls really quickly but it's an enjoyable 32 year old movie and it still stands the test of time very impressive really enjoyed it was a great time and uh i think uh, i look forward to future movie episodes where we maybe just watch movies that are good to watch when you're fucking high so stay tuned for for future movie polls but i think the next one will probably be more of a, a cannabis adjacent one but uh, how about we get into our cultivar of the week uh we've got this one coming to us from canmart and we talk a lot about shelter market but uh, cam and i are also patients with canmart and uh, they have some interesting cultivars so what do we got on the table this week this week we have the gas berries from Ogen, and I am already going to apologize if I've said this name wrong. <laughs> I'm but, glad you uh, said it first because I would have called it Ogen. Ogen or Ogen. Oh, Ogen. Um, yeah, fuck, I don't know. I I don't know how to pronounce this. So if uh, if you guys listen to this episode, please feel free to give us the pronunciation into our DMs, and <laughs> yeah. we will and we will distribute we'll that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this Ogen. This is Gasberries. It is a cultivar that is made up of OG Kush, Sour Diesel, and Blueberry. And man, all three of those are are great strains. And I really think that the the lineage is apparent once you start to open up the jar. Absolutely. Uh, I think the moment I crack the jar of here, I get a really, really strong berry flavor. I feel like the Gasberries name is very apropos um i don't know that the gas was super strong i felt like i got that fruity berryness a little bit more when i opened my jar but the gas was there kind of on like the backside a little bit in the finish yeah in the finish it just it it popped out but it was neat uh i I was really excited to try this one and 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 that's interesting to me to see somebody name something that that's actually what it is (laughs) yeah gas and berries yeah keep it simple yeah for for like the 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 smell and the taste on this one i just wish that we had got a fresher batch honestly because i mean our batch is is six months old it's from july basically or the end of july of 2020 and uh it it still held up really well in the packaging the bud structure was great um there was still a noticeable scent and taste but i imagine if i had got this in in august or something like that i bet this thing would have fucking popped you know 
It would have popped off. Uh, I was happy to see the uh, the packaging that they had with the the uh, skinny plastic jars. Me too. Yeah, because the, there's just less oxygen in there to degrade the product. And uh, I do find that these things have a really good seal too, surprisingly enough, because it's just plastic on plastic. But mm-hmm. I think that there's a little bit of uh, friction to the seal here. And uh, I think that it's kept this product rather fresh, actually, for being six months old. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I, I threw mine into glass with the Boveda right away. Um, was in pretty good repair. The buds themselves were actually quite nice. I got a couple of big ones. Yeah, well... I, I had not thrown mine into jars because I just got a three and a half gram of it and I had three giant buds in mine and they fit into the package quite perfectly. So I was kind of just like, fuck it. <laughs> You're going to stay in your home. <laughs> Are you too good for your home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So this was something that we had bought on our Black Friday orders from Camart and Shelter back in November. Mm-hmm. And I had not opened it up at all because I was waiting for it to be the review week for it. Uh, did you take a similar approach or did you uh, crack into the jar earlier on with anticipation? Day one. Day one. Really? Day one I, I couldn't resist. I, I had to have a bowl of it. Gas berries, man. I, I just wanted to see. And uh, I enjoyed it. And then I put it in the glass and put it away until this week. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you'd saved it. The bud structure, like you said, was was real nice. I had three big buds. One of them was probably close to two grams, actually. And uh, I really I really liked the appearance of these buds. Um, they had some really long orange hairs on them. So I couldn't help but think that these were some hairy nugs. And I really <laughs> liked that. <laughs> and uh uh, yeah i know but it's just fucking funny man like and then i looked on their website as well and the picture that they have on their website is also a hairy nug too and i i like that most people just trim down the hairs like the very small pieces but uh they hadn't necessarily done that with this batch and i thought it was hilarious and i it really uh upped the enjoyment for me Well, I'm, I'm glad that you, that you were happy with that. Uh, yeah. I, I was happy overall. Um, this was ruled in around 18.8 THC, I think. At least that's what I had written on my jar since I tossed the original. I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and like you said, we got an eighth of this. And I can't remember what we paid, but I want to say like on sale, it was around 30 bucks. I think so. I don't know what the retail price of this is, so I apologize for that. Um, but uh, I'll... I'll tag it on our Instagram post for, for those listeners who check us out on there just so that you can see it. But uh, if you can go onto Camart's website, I don't think that you have to be a patient in order to, to browse their products. No, so you, you may can. be able to just check it out there. Yeah. You can see it right now. They've got a bunch of ignite products on sale for boxing day. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. I'm not touching those. I don't care how cheap. Oh yeah. I know they're, they're really, they're really going hard at it, but uh, no, thank you. Um, and it's, it's a shame too, because some of their products are grown by radical. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's something I learned this past week. Well, I don't even want to slight them as a company either, just because their their founder or or whoever the fuck Dan Belzerian is in a, in relation to them is attached. Sorry, <laughs> that was a very long winded thought that didn't really make sense. But uh, I don't want to like slight the people who make the product because I know Dan Belzerian is not part of the production, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I, I have conflicting thoughts about that company. Like I would like to try the buds. I'm sure there's good people working there, but I cannot support the person who is making the most money off of the endeavor. I don't think. Yeah. I'm not uh, giving my dollars there, but in terms of this one, how did you find it for our categories? For me, this was a mood elevator slash relaxer for Mm -hmm. me. Where did it fit for you? Exactly what I wrote down. Relaxing and mood elevating. uh, A checkout strain. 
absolutely, man. This is something that kind of slows time down for me and it really lets me relax. You know, it, it kind of feels like any kind of anxieties or stressors that was that have been uh, affecting me, they kind of just wash away. I smoked this uh, leading into the Christmas uh, holidays uh, for a few days because uh, I always find that the 23rd and 24th, they're so busy. Like even if you're prepared for Christmas, I feel like those days are, are stressful just because you're getting everything last minute put together. You're maybe wrapping gifts. I don't know. Yeah, I just I just find that uh, those are stressful days. And I think that this strain really helped me get through those days, to be honest. Yeah, I I completely am in line with you on that. Uh, Although I found this one to be non-productive because it, it makes me incredibly spacey. Like I, like I described the, the, the effects for this as massively spacey. Like I get into a daze and I just kind of sp- stare off into space for a minute. And then like, it's, it's not useful for getting anything done. So for me, my ideal scenario for this would be to kind of veg out would be to relax with like a movie, a TV or a book. I don't know that I would want to be gaming. I don't think it's good to be active, but just to, to um, absorb some media would probably be my, my go-to for this one because I don't know that I would be able to do much else, but it's a great way to shut off. Yeah, I'm I'm completely in line with those thoughts as well. This is one that I really want to get a fresher batch of because I think that this will really pop. There's already a significant amount of berry and gas in the taste and yeah. flavor for this this cultivar. Yeah, my I think my biggest thought on this is I just wish I had a fresher batch, and that's no fault of Ogen or even Canmart really. It's just uh, I think in the future I'm going to have to keep tabs on on their fresh lots and see if I can pick one up because I was really really impressed with this from the buds to the taste to the packaging everything was really good for me i I really appreciated it i think that this is something that i would really like to have in a fresher batch yeah so i could have the full experience you know but uh for in terms of effects like you said this is kind of like a a very relaxing strain i don't know if i could get stuff done on this one either this was kind of like an end of the day strain for me so I, i think that you're kind of right this isn't something that you would smoke if you have some some tasks to do even if they are are somewhat menial. Did you do the coffee and cannabis test for this one? I did. As a matter of fact, I did it today and yesterday and a few days before that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't. It didn't really work in the same way. So uh, basically, what I ended up doing was like playing some really brain drain dead video games when I was waking up stuff that didn't require any thought just kind of like reactionary things and things like that so before any of my family got up that was kind of my tie but uh, there was no no productivity getting done Um, but it didn't really like there was no hindrance with the coffee I think I've felt like uh, competition between effects when I've had something that's more indica leaning with, uh, you know, to use that terminology with uh, a coffee, but this one, it seemed relatively balanced itself out, I guess, but I don't know that I would do it, but I think kind of as a, as a wrap up overall, this is one that I would purchase again, like you said, keep an eye, keeping an eye to the freshness and the when it was harvested, that would be key in picking that. But they do a few other cultivars that this would have me open to try out because I like this one so much. Yeah, I have very similar thoughts as well. From as as far as I can tell, this is a great company that's worthy of support. You know, um, I check them out online. They do uh, handcrafted um, cannabis. You know, they they do hand trimming. They they harvest the whole plant. Uh, they do everything with hydroponics. They they seem like a great company. They kind of seem like a more like youthful kind of like edgy kind of fun company. Um, I I'm definitely excited to try out their other offerings as well. And this is something I would 100% repurchase. 
it's right in my wheelhouse for a relaxing kind of gassy sweet stream so if you can find it uh, definitely get your hands on it it's normally on cam art and uh, i'm excited to try out other stuff by ogen go get some gas berries folks Go get some gas berries. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode on Die Hard and Gas Berries. If uh, you want to check us out on social media, again, we are at A Cannabis Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. We hope that everybody is enjoying their holidays. Um, if you've got some, hopefully you've been able to spend some time with friends and family. Um, again, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody out there and uh, take care. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you in 2021.